Welcome to another edition of TM3 Impact. My name is Tomas Martinez, and today I have Nathaniel Mack III of the Mack Law Firm. Welcome, Nathaniel. Thank you, Tomas. Yes, excited to have you here. Excited to be here. Okay, here we go. We got to start off right. Tell me your San Antonio story, cliff note version. How did you come to live in this amazing city? Let's dive right into it, man. So January 11th, 1985 is when it all started. Okay. Um, born at Wilford Hall Medical Center, Lackland Air Force Base, man. Uh, so my father was in the Air Force. Uh, my father's from Maryland originally. My mother's from San Antonio, so her family's all here. Uh, my mother grew up on the east side of San Antonio, East Terrace Projects. They're no longer standing, but uh, my roots run deep here in San Antonio. Family from the east side and the west side going back like a century or more, man. So San Antonio is in my blood. It's home. It's home for me, man. Yes. Um, you know, so uh, the day I was born, we had the biggest snowstorm in San Antonio history. And I know we've had oh, quite I a was few here. recently. Yeah. Do you remember that oh, one in 85? I was, I was, I was 10. <laughs> really? Okay. All right. So I hear yeah. stories. Oh, I, I remember. I've YouTubed it. But go ahead. I'll tell you a little bit about it. Go ahead. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, I always say uh, I brought the snow to San Antonio. Yes. It was a special day. Uh, but yeah, man, that's where it started for me. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. But uh, this is home. It's always been home. home. And, uh, you know, love being here. Uh, I moved around a bit, you know, yeah. being a military brat. Oh, yeah. My dad retired and my mom said, we're going back to San Antonio. And uh, he didn't yeah. mind that because he loved the city. Yeah. Uh, so we moved back here and my parents bought uh, a house in Stone Oak. Okay. But this is back in the 90s when yeah. you had Cornerstone Church. There was a Tetco gas station, a Blockbuster, and then a lot of deer. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. there was nothing out there, man. But nothing was past Hebner at that point. Nothing past yeah. Hebner. Oh, yeah. No, it was like oh, yeah. uh, farmland or yep. something. So uh, my parents moved us out there. I went to Cornerstone Christian School Okay. Uh, up until the 10th grade. Okay. And then eventually my parents let me go to public school because all my friends were going there. I'm like, please just let me wow. experience it. I mean, I play sports. So it's like, I yeah. want to play 5A football. Like, let's yeah. do this. So yeah. they wait, finally wait, wait. Gave me were that. you on that basketball team that they always talk about at Cornerstone? Was that the year that they had that crazy basketball team? So they had an amazing basketball team. Yeah. I, I would love to say I was on it, but it was before my time. I think you I was in middle school. About, right? yeah. yeah, where they had Eduardo Nahara. Yes. Who ended Played up playing for the, the Mavericks. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh, they had a, a lot of good talent on that team. Serious so talent. I looked up to that team. I was yeah. a little younger, yeah. unfortunately. Okay. But, uh, I mean, our team was okay. Yeah. But uh, we actually, uh, Pastor Hagee started uh, the football team. While I was there, I think it was my 10th grade year Okay, when we got a football team. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. So we played some football, man, and uh, I ran track there as well. Okay. So that was a great experience. But now, did you go from Cornerstone to Reagan? Cornerstone to Reagan. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so, you, so I, I always like this. Okay, so this is probably 15, 16-year-old Nathaniel. Okay. That's right. So you're making the transition from all private, yes. going to public. Yes. What was that transition like for you at that age? It was a culture shock. Yeah. Um, you know, my classes were probably 30, 40 kids at Cornerstone yeah. and my graduating class was like over a thousand kids at Reagan, at Reagan, man. So, you know, it was a lot more diverse as well. Yeah. A lot more, uh, characters, if you will, from different walks of life, uh, a lot more competitive just cause there's so many people, yeah. uh, the sports were bigger and better, things of that nature. And, uh, I loved it, man. Yeah. I just absolutely loved it because it 
prepared me for college a little bit more because in college, you know, you're going to be around a lot of people from walks of life. It's going to be yeah. diverse. Yeah. And, um, you know, I thought it was a great transition, but I was prepared. My parents wanted to give me a strong spiritual foundation. Yes. So that was very important to them. I grew up in the church yeah. and they wanted to make sure that uh, I knew where I'd come from before allowing me to go and transition to public school. So by 10th grade, 15, 16, you know, that foundation was solid. So when I went to public school, yeah, I came across some things I hadn't before, yeah. but I was prepared to handle them. And, uh, you know, that was very important to them. So. I love it. So military brought you here. That's what you're telling me. There was a military, really. And your family. Yeah, and your mom's family. Yeah. Because your dad, he was, he was military here, but your military. mom was from here. They met here. Yeah, so he met my mother at the NCO club oh, at Laxon Air Force Base. They were like 20, <laughs> 19, 20, man. I love it. And the rest is history. So Brothers, yeah. sisters? I have two brothers and a sister. Okay. Um, my sister's actually in law school right now in Omaha, Nebraska. She's at Creighton University. And then uh, she's a twin with my brother, Nehemiah, who you met here yeah. a little while ago. Then I have one other brother, Jeremiah. Wow. Now, are you the oldest? I'm the oldest. You're the oldest. Okay. Yeah. So you had to set the line for going to school. You had to set it up. Pressure was all on me, man. Man, I, I know that pressure because I'm the third as well. <laughs> yes, My yes. son is the fourth. So is mine. Your son is the yeah. fourth? Yeah. <laughs> How crazy Great is that? Great minds think alike. Serious. So it's Royalty. Tomas Enzo the fourth is my son's name. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, I love it's it, a man. Now, Legacy. he told me. My son said he's going to carry on the tradition. Nice. Okay, Enzo, you said, that, you said you were. I'm just going to remind you. <laughs> we got it on tape. You Absolutely, know? man. Okay, so so talk to me. You have this foundation. You you go from Reagan. Yes. And because and I, I would imagine, obviously, sports, everything changed. Did you Were you playing sports at Reagan? Were you able to transition and play sports? Because we all know Reagan competition-wise, it's just a different, it's a different level. Yes. So I did play sports at Reagan. Yeah. Um, my class was the first class to go all four years. So okay. we were still relatively new. We had broken off from Churchill and I think uh, maybe Smithson Valley a little bit. Okay. So the lines were all funky, man, who was going where. Uh, but we were still trying to figure it out athletically. So yeah. football team wasn't very good. Yeah. Basketball team was actually decent. Um, and then we had a track team that was good as well. So okay. I, I played all those sports and uh, I enjoyed you know, doing so. What was your so. favorite? What's your my even favorite? to this day? What's your favorite? I'd have to say football, man. Football? So, yeah. you know, going to Reagan, playing Judson and Madison and Churchill, Smithson Valley. Yeah. I mean, we're playing the big boys. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, Cornerstone, we played some good schools as well. Yeah. Um, but just transitioning to 5A, man, it was like level. playing in the NFL for me. It was huge, yeah. man. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'll never forget those memories and the relationships that were developed. I still talk to some of those guys today. Yeah. And sometimes, man, it feels like yesterday that I was out there. Yeah. So, What do you think the biggest lesson you learned from sports in high school? Like just growing up, mm. you know, what was one of the big lessons that stuck out for you? There's so many, man. Just um, discipline. Yeah. Being able to dig down deep, man. Those tour days in Texas heat. Mm. Like there's nothing like that. They can't like do it that. like that anymore. You know that, yeah, right? <laughs> they, they got soft on us. They got super soft. <laughs> I but remember that. They, they, it's a whole different level. Whole but two days. different level, man. So yes. just like digging deep inside and just, you know, finding depths that you didn't know you had. Yeah. And just, you know, that gives you just the mental fortitude, the confidence to just do so many other things in your life. So, you know, that was great. And then just learning to work with others, mm -hmm. you know, that camaraderie, learning to, you know, trust others um, on the field, 
uh, on the court, things of that nature. So uh, I think those are some of the traits, man, that I actually took with me to get me to this point. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so did you make the transition you, to Baylor? So how did Baylor come into play for, for uh, college? Did you kind of know with it where you wanted to go? Not necessarily. Okay. Um, I knew I wanted to stay in Texas. Okay. And um, so I, I played football and I, I had a few scholarships out there to go to some smaller private schools. Uh, but ultimately, I wanted to, uh, to be close to home. And uh, I thought Baylor was a great option, private school, Baptist school. So kind of in line with what I've experienced in the past, uh, but still Big 12, mm -hmm. you know, so we're still playing the big boys. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Baylor was the right fit for me, man. So I ended up walking on at Baylor. Oh, get out. I ended up walking on. Okay, tell me about that process, walking on at a D1 <laughs> university football. I mean, because this, this had to be what year? This was 2003. Okay, this is, this is, yeah, Baylor at this point is starting to get on the map. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, obviously they've been on the map, but you know what I mean. I know what you mean. You know what I mean. We had so, some down years. Yeah. Yes. So, so I, I, what was that process like? So, um, you know, I get dropped off in Waco, tell my parents bye and figure out where the athletic facility is located. Go there. Hey, I'm here to try out. What do I do? And uh, they give me the information and I show up, you know, to the football facility at a certain time on a certain day. And, uh, you know, they give me some shorts, T-shirt, and they say, you're probably not going to make the team, but hey, you know, it's nice of you to come and try out. Good luck. And then they heard us in there with all the athletes, man. And, uh, you know, we start the training and a lot of people, of course, kind of fall off. And uh, fortunately, man, I was able to uh, solidify a position and ended up making the team. Uh, that first year. That first year, wow! So I was traveling with the team, man. Um, you know, I got on the field. So what position? Defensive back. Oh wow! I was a defensive back, a man. Corner? I was a corner. Okay. So uh, let me think. I'm so old you, now. You gotta be fast. You were fast. Wes Welker was out yep. there. So regarding the wide receivers, Wes Welker, Rory Williams was at Texas. Yeah. I think Crabtree was at Texas Tech as well as okay, Wes. Yeah, I remember Crabtree. Yeah. Um, I got a tackle on Adrian Peterson okay, when he played out. Oklahoma. I got a tackle. <laughs> really, he ran me over, but he fell. But he fell, on. so it counts as a tackle. Statistically, it's going to say Nathaniel <laughs> Mack tackle. Um, so we were playing the, the big dogs, man. Yeah. Went up to Nebraska. Colorado was still in the Big 12 at that time. A&M was still in the Big 12. Missouri. Yeah. Uh, so we and, had some heavy and you hitters. Play, you played Texas. Because Texas, played Texas. Yeah, 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 as well. Oh, yeah. Okay, so... That I just I, I you know you always you always hear people walking on right and we yeah. know the story of Rudy obviously right right we know that story right <laughs> oh, yeah. how many people tried to walk on that that year do you remember there were probably I'd say between twenty and thirty twenty and thirty at, at the beginning so this is yeah. like summertime before the school year started you had to be there for two days wow yeah okay. so okay. you were in the trenches right out the gate and then I would say by the time the season started. There might have been 10 of us left. Wow. Maybe. And how many got on the field out of that mm, 30? Less than five. Less than five Less people than got five, man. Yeah. Wow. And I, so were there, were there moments in that? Because I would imagine, uh, were there, because I, I, again, I'm just going to go back to the movie, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, you're thinking about the movie Rudy, <laughs> right? I, were there moments where you thought you'd never get on the field? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'll be honest. There were moments where I was a little overwhelmed. I was like, yeah. man, I hope coach doesn't call me. 
I don't know if I can guard this guy. He's about to be yeah. drafted first round. Like they're going to pick on me for sure if they see me out on that field. So mentally that was in my head. So I had to overcome a lot of that, man. And uh, I had to really like find my confidence when he did call my name. Um, because yeah, I mean, those big stadiums, you know, Kyle Field, whatever it's called out in College Station. Uh, uh, back then, what was it, 95,000? Something like that. It's like an NFL stadium, man. And they're chanting and doing all their stuff that they do. It, it's intimidating. <laughs> I went to my first AM game, uh, and I have a master's from AM, okay? okay? So I, I, okay. I, I mean, I, I just I went there, got my master's, but sure. I didn't go to any games or anything. So I went to my first AM game. I think it was last year. It's either 2022 or 2021. I can't remember. Okay. Um, and it was a religious experience. Yeah, that's what I hear. Like it was unlike anything. Now, were you? Did you? Pl- you played in Kyle Field, so you f- experienced from the field. Yes. I'm in the stadium, and I'm like, how do you play in front of this? <laughs> I can't imagine you know what, what I mean? you saw because I really didn't like turn around to look to see what everyone was doing. I could hear chants, yeah. but to actually see everything, they have different organizations that yes. do different things. I can't imagine. It's, it's an wild. Experience. It's a, it's it is an absolute must. You yeah. have to see an AM game. All okay. of the chants they have, all of the uh, things that they do. It's just it's a whole different. It's I'm gonna a whole go in my level. green and gold, man. Yeah, you gotta go. You gotta go there I'm when they play the Baylor. Gold. Yeah. Are you kidding? You gotta I'm, go there when they play rep. Baylor. And they're about to play Texas again. That's coming back. <laughs> I look forward to that. SEC. That's. I look forward be to that, man. Awesome. Yeah, it's a long time awesome. coming. They needed to have, make that happen. Okay, so Absolutely. you're at Baylor. So how many years did you play? So I played. Three years. Okay. I played three years. Um, I actually redshirted my my freshman year. Okay. So uh, sophomore, junior year is when I actually played. Okay. And uh, ended up injuring my knee, man. And um, practice you know, or in a game? In practice. Yeah. In practice. Um, I think it was spring, spring football. Yeah. But uh, I remember calling my coach, Coach McGriff, who actually went on. I think he's coaching in the SEC somewhere now. But uh, I, remember, I remember calling him saying, coach, you know, I injured my knee. I know the rehab process, what it's going to take. And I knew I wanted to go to law school. So I told him, I'm just going to focus on school, my academics. I appreciate everything. And, you know, it was hard to let go, but I made that decision. Mm. Yeah. So, so this was probably an injury that you, it's not like a couple of weeks, three weeks. This was probably months, you think? Yeah, months. Oh. Yeah, dealing with those ligaments and whatnot, man. It's, it's months. And um you know, to even try to get back on the field is a process. So it's like, do I want to dedicate my time to that or to preparing myself for the next, you know, step in my life, which was law school? Yeah. So that's what I did, man. I made that decision and, you know, I miss it. I still yeah. miss it to this day. Wow. But uh, I, I know I made the right decision ultimately. Yeah. You know, I was just talking with a friend of mine. Uh, uh, shout out to Dean Jackson. He played at Baylor. Okay. He was a linebacker. Okay. This was back in the 90s. Uh, this would have been in the 90s. Okay. And uh, I think it was his junior year. We were just talking the other night. His son had a birthday party. It was his junior year. And he, during a game, he broke his neck. So he fractured his neck. He was explaining the story to me. But he didn't really know, and he was in a lot of pain. And then later they did the X-ray, and then they had to do surgery at the end of the. He played the rest he of the played, season. Oh my goodness! Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Yeah, a so lot's he played. Changed. He played right, but they he again. He said he didn't know that it was fractured, whatever. Yeah. And they didn't. The, the coaching staff they didn't know, you know. Um, but then you know he said his senior year he's just like he, he's just you know just upset, didn't know what to do. Like football was everything. It was yeah. his whole life. Yeah. But he, I think he told me uh, uh, somebody that was in this city, like a DA in the Waco, called him and said, 
hey, it's time for you to go to law school. It never wow. was even in his mind. Really? He had been hanging out with this guy all this time, and yes. the guy said, it's time. You need to go. And that's, that's when he made the decision. Life-changing So decision. for you, when did you make that decision for law school? You, I sound like you had made it before. Yeah. You ever got to Baylor? Long time ago, man. So I tell people, because they asked me, you know, what made you go to law school? My mother went to St. Mary's University, and she was a paralegal. So she planted that seed when I was very young. She was like, Nathaniel, you're going to be a lawyer one day. I had no idea what that meant, but I would go around telling people, I'm going to be a lawyer one day. And when I got old enough, I started looking into it. I was like, all right, so these, this is what lawyers do. And I thought my skills fit that profession. And I really admired um, you know, that lawyers had the opportunity to affect lives, to make change, um, to really do good for society. And uh, I took it and ran with it, man. So after that, I was like, all right, this is the game plan for law school. Let me go to undergrad, take the LSAT, apply to law school, knock it out, take the bar. We're off and running. Yeah. Um, now, my path was a little different than what I thought. And I never you know, thought I'd be practicing personal injury law, but uh, God had a plan for me. Yeah. So, so okay. I, I, so you knew, what age? We're we talking like, like 10, 11 or like, earlier? earlier than 10 man wow. yeah i was really young so that's kind of all i've known really that's i'm gonna be a lawyer one day. that is really yeah. interesting yeah oh, of course i thought i was gonna be in the nba at, at one point no no, no. Yeah, i think we I, all did you know we had the michael jordan tapes <laughs> and all that and we just knew we were next you know, I, i'm gonna tell you i don't know if i've shared this story but on the podcast but i'll never forget i i told my teacher i think i was in the sixth grade and I had, I didn't even have Jordans. I had the Jordash. <laughs> they were the knockoff Jordans oh, that man. looked like Jordan. I think they were the Jordan 2s. Nice. But they, were, they said Jordash on the back. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I told my teacher I was going to be in the NBA. And, and she got a magazine cover. And there was a magazine cover. I still haven't found this to this day. Yeah. And it said more people to get struck by lightning than go into the NBA. <laughs> oh, man. That's what my teacher told me. Wow, not cool. And she, well, she didn't kill the dream. I still went on to play some more basketball and played nice. one year in college. But oh, nice. The reality is, is that even the, it, think about the numbers for the NFL. When you start breaking down those yeah. numbers, yeah, it's a very low percentage. Very low, and even if you make it to the NFL, I think the average career is like two, three years. That's it in NFL. That's it, man. Wow. With injuries and just the competition, yeah, you know the money's not guaranteed a lot of times, as opposed to baseball and, and basketball. So, yeah, just making it doesn't guarantee you're going to have a successful career. Yeah, Very competitive. which is wild. Okay, so you graduate from Baylor yes. and you apply to law school. How was that process? The LSAT, like, sure. were you ready? Real quick, let me just throw this out there. Please. So uh, I call my coach, tell him I'm done with football. Yeah, uh, I was going through it. You know, I was having withdrawals um, because I had more time on my hands now. I'm like, man, what am I going to do? It's six o'clock on a Friday, Saturday, and, you know, I'm done studying. So, you know, there was a lot of time for me to think about things. And I was also sad because I missed it and I would keep up with the guys and, you know, the practices and traveling and things like that. So a buddy of mine who had also played with me also walked on and made the team. He ended up transferring to a different university and he stopped playing football. So he knew I had stopped as well. And he called me and he's like, Nathaniel, I'm doing a study abroad. You should check it out. We pay the same tuition, but we just study in a different country. He's like, it sounds pretty cool, right? I was like, yeah, it sounds amazing. I didn't know we could do that. Yeah. So I looked into it, man. He's like, I'm going to Spain. He's like, look into this program. I looked into it, man. I thought it was amazing. I signed up. So my senior year, 
I went to university in Madrid, St. Louis University, Madrid. I spent my senior year in Madrid, Spain, thanks to my friend. He actually ended up in a different university through the program. He was in Sevilla, but uh, thanks to him, Aaron Bobo, I was able to experience that. So that helped get my mind off of things, if you will. Yeah. And uh, I came back to the States and then off to law school. So you spent a whole year in Spain, your senior year. A whole year in Spain, my friend. That had to be amazing. It was a great year. Yeah, it had to be amazing. Have you been over there? I have not been to Spain. Got to do it. Yeah. We just got yeah. back. We did a trip. Uh, we went to Dubai and then Israel oh, with wow. our church. We awesome. went to Israel for nine I wanna days. I want to do that. You got to do I it. I want to do that, man. And the kids, like, I, I, I think for, like, my son got to go. He's 13. Wow. So he got to go to all the spots. It was unbelievable yes. in Israel. And then we came back and we went through um, uh, Milan. Okay. Uh, we Italy, went through yeah. Milan. But it's an amazing trip. But Spain, yes. okay, so. Yeah. It, it, so how did they trans? Like how did the credits and all of that? How did all that work out? Yeah, That's so interesting. I went to an international university, so they taught in both English and Spanish. Okay, but you were required to take Spanish classes, um, and there were students from all over the world there. So I was, you know, just meeting people from all walks of life. Man, it was an incredible experience, and the classes transferred just like you were taking classes like in Waco. Else. So yeah. when you got so once you finished there for a year, did you learn any Spanish while you were there? I would imagine you had to learn some Spanish. That was my best Spanish, man, when I was yeah. there. I'm not gonna lie. So and, and they speak it a little differently yes. there than, than here in the States. Yes. Um, they pronounce things a little bit differently, but that was my apex of speaking Spanish, believe it or not. I, I lost a lot of it. Yeah. Uh because when you're forced to speak it, when you're yeah. in that environment, you just learn it so much quicker. Yep. And uh I was able to experience that firsthand. Yeah, that immersion um, is some, it's serious. It's all about immersion. It, yeah, it's all about immersion. I, I, I speak survival if, Spanish these that's days. That's right. And if you want to go out, I mean, you got to speak Spanish if you're in Spain, I would imagine. Absolutely. Right? You got to speak Spanish. Absolutely. Okay, man. so you come back, graduate. and yes. now. But wait a minute, I heard something. So it was St. Louis over in Spain. Yes. And that's the connection to your law degree. That's the connection, man. So that's how you were. So you uh, applied while you were there in Spain? Did you already apply? No. So when I got back, uh, I started applying. Yeah. Uh, well, I took the LSAT first because okay. you have to have a decent LSAT score and then you apply with your LSAT score. And uh, I didn't even apply to St. Louis University Law School, but they had, I guess, somehow figured out I was applying to other schools. Yeah. They sent me a financial aid package that was the best I had seen thus far. And law school is not cheap. It's very mm. expensive. So it was hard to pass up on, man. I think I had St. Louis University, uh, University of Miami, and like Texas Wesleyan, and maybe one other. But I chose SLU because it had the best financial aid package. Um, what about Baylor? Baylor has a law degree. Baylor has a great... I didn't want to go back to Waco. You didn't want to go back to Waco. Yeah, I, I had enough of Waco. Yep, yeah. I understand. Especially after coming from Spain. I was like, I, I need a bigger city. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was done. <laughs> Waco is tiny. I've been there it for a, a, a buddy that did an, an Ironman. He did a half Ironman, and it, yeah. is, it is tiny. Been I understand there, that. Been there, done that. Understand. So you go to St. Louis to do your law degree, and yes. you're there for three... Is it three years? Three years. Okay, three years. Yes. You uh, Tell me, so... You know, when I think about law to, law school, I think about the movies that I've seen where they're all sitting in the class. They ask the questions like, right. tell me, like, what was a day like in law for the kids listening, for people yeah. understand, to understand what was a day in the life of a law student? Sure. So typically you're waking up in the morning and, you know, you're going to the campus. You will have between two and four courses per day. Um, and, you know. 
five, six hours you're in class. After that, you're headed to the library. You're studying for the rest of the day to prepare for the next day. So you're constantly either studying or in class. Mm-hmm. That, that's it. You really don't have a life when you're in law school. Mm-hmm. I felt bad, man, because I wasn't keeping up with my friends. I wasn't reaching out to people. I wasn't really on Facebook back then as much as, uh, you know, a lot of other people. So I kind of went off the grid because I was so focused. You're just constantly prepare, preparing or you're in class. Mm. So it's a lot of reading, a lot of writing, um, a lot of preparation, and it's very competitive. Okay. So you want to be in that library. You want to make sure you're on top of things. You're competing for internships and jobs with all these you know, other kids whose daddies are judges and lawyers and this and that who have some competitive advantages. Yeah. And you're trying to hang in there with them, man. So um, it was fun, but it was definitely nonstop competition to prepare yourself for the next level. And so that preparation, so you were preparing because when you got in the class, is it like that, the movies where they would ask questions and have people, is it like that to a degree? My law school was, you know, I think they're getting soft these days. They're just getting soft on a lot of things, right? but I don't think they're like cold calling people like they used to. Okay. They don't want to embarrass people or something. At least that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. But back in the day, you didn't, you didn't know if you were going to get called or not. So you had to be prepared. And if he called you and you didn't know what was going on, yeah, you would get embarrassed. You would get embarrassed. So you always had to be on top of your game. Yeah. And, you know, you're reading hundreds of pages a night, man. And, you know, you're trying to understand and dissect Supreme Court cases and all kinds of complex things. So you have to have your notes together. You have to be organized. Yeah. Because there's always going to be those kids who are on top of it. Yeah. So you don't want to look bad, you know, amongst them because, you know, your reputation as well. Yeah. You don't want people to say, oh, that's that kid. He didn't know what he was doing. He shouldn't even be here kind of thing. So. Yeah. Do you think uh, the Cornerstone school was a good preparation? You know, that private school education kind of prepared you for that? Right? I think so. I think so, man. I think that private school education mixed with what I learned at Reagan, which, you know, is a really good school, I think combined really helped prepare me for Baylor, which yeah. then helped prepare me for law school. So just those building blocks. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Okay. So where does personal injury come into all this? Oh, How man. does that come all right. in? So, um, so law school, St. Louis, and, you know, originally I was planning on staying up there. I was okay. going to take the, uh, the Illinois and the Missouri bar because they're right next to each other. Okay. Half of St. Louis is in the state of Illinois. Yeah. So, um, I'd been to Chicago a few times. I like Chicago. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Except I went, uh, St. Patty's day one time. It was March spring break. I'm like, cool, spring break. You know, I'm thinking beaches, shorts, T-shirts. It was like 20 degrees, man. Yep. yep. I had to go buy a hat, some gloves, yep. like a scarf. It was freezing, <laughs> but they still had that river dyed green and they oh, were yeah. still out there with their bagpipes, man. They had yeah. a huge parade in the freezing weather. I'm like, all right, I'm going back to Texas. Yeah. I can't do this. But that being said, I graduated. I think like two days after graduation, got the U-Haul, packed up, came back to San Antonio and didn't started. have so you didn't have anything in, in play at that point nothing, nothing in play at that point nothing man i just <clears throat> knew that the bar exam was the next step oh okay yeah yeah, yeah. oh that makes sense that yep. bar so um i believe we graduated in may the bar was like either the end of july beginning of august yeah i came back immediately started studying like the next day that i had gotten back and uh i stayed with my grandmother because she had some extra space and it was a place for me to just focus in. It was nice and quiet. 
Uh, I at took, this point, how old yeah. were you at this point? I was 20, 25? 25. Okay, keep yeah, going. I'm gonna yeah, say yeah, I was 25. Yeah. So uh, I took an LSAT course and uh, just started studying for two, three months straight, man, because I was hell-bent on passing the bar. You wanted to pass that first time. I had to pass it, man. Yeah. So I took the exam, and it takes like four or five months to find out your results. What? So yeah, I took the exam. So you know, I'm just all anxious and whatnot. It might be a little less than that, but it, it takes a it while. It takes a while, yeah. So um, I needed to make some money in between, of course. So I took a job at HEB. I was working in their warehouse overnight. And I would work at Sports Authority during the day. I think they went out I of business. I remember Sports Authority. Yeah, they're gone now. <laughs> um, so I was working two jobs, man. And uh, just waiting to see if I'd pass the bar. And finally, the results came in. And I, and I did pass. I did pass, wow. man. So that That's was amazing. Impressive. That was great, man. But next step, now you got to find a job. Yeah. All right. You're a licensed lawyer, but now good luck getting a job. Yeah. And I was competing with a lot of lawyers who had been laid off previously. We had just come from a recession. What year was this? This was 2011. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 2010, all that, man. A lot of layoffs. So that was the year I started Luxury Home Magazine. Really? (laughs) Wow. Yeah. That was the year 2011. Yep. Awesome. Good year. Yeah. It was a great year. Good year, man. Yeah. So you know, like there was a lot going on in the economy. So. Those lawyers were re-entering the job market. I was this baby lawyer trying to just, you know, get some experience. And a lot of these employers wanted lawyers who had prior experience. So it was really hard finding people who would take someone like me. So I passed the bar, um, still working at HEB, still working at Sports Authority, man, as a licensed lawyer. Yeah. Very humbling experience. Some of the guys were like, what are you doing here? You said you were a lawyer. Like, I'm like, don't ask. But um, I wanted to be in Houston or Dallas. I was like, I'm a big city dude. I'm getting out of San Antonio, Houston, Dallas. That's where I need to be. And I wanted to do like corporate law, business law, something like that. Okay. Um, originally, I wanted to do sports law. thought that was my calling, so to speak. But I didn't get an internship with the Cardinals or the Blues. So that didn't work out per se. But uh, I was applying to these firms in Dallas, Houston. No one was calling back. I originally or eventually got a call from a firm in Corpus. Yeah. And uh, I think the first time I was like, eh, Corpus, and I'm trying to like, Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi, man, <laughs> city by the bay. <laughs> That's right. I'm like, oh, I'm trying to scale up. Corpus, I don't know about that. Right. And uh, I was, you know, just kind of waiting out. And then I actually was contacted by them again. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I need to take a job. So I went down there on my birthday with my mother to interview interviewed with a few people, ended up getting the job. Yeah. And I started like a week later and the rest is history, man. That was personal injury law that I first got initiated into. Yeah. And who was it with? You got to tell everybody who it was with. It was uh, with the man. Most people probably never heard of. They've never heard of him. Yeah. Tom, Tom Henry, Thomas J. Thomas J. Henry. Thomas J, man. Wow. That's where it all started for me. That's so, So, that's um, really cool story. Yeah. That's where I was first. You know, putting those fires. Yeah. That's where I was trained up. That's where I was instructed, where I was taught. And that experience is really why I'm here today, sitting in front of you. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be here, man. So I'm very grateful to Mr. Henry and to all those who were willing to give me a chance, you know, when a lot of other people wouldn't and were willing to give me their time and help instruct me on on how to be a lawyer, how to be a trial lawyer. So uh, I, I owe everything to that experience. That's really cool. You, you said he became like a mentor, you know, during that process. Uh, what do you, what is it that, you know, what was, what do you take away from it? The biggest thing you take away from working there and being able to experience what you experienced? Wow. Just 
you know, being a boss. I learned how to how to be a boss, man, because you're wearing so many hats. There's so many things going on. At the end of the day, it all falls back on you mm-hmm. and learning how to handle that um, because you've got the business side, but then you've got the lawyer side. Those are two completely different ways of thinking. So learning how to manage all that, learning how to grow a firm, you know, learning how to manage staff, uh, learning how to market, mm. um, just so many different things I learned, man. And you, um, you, I mean, that was another law school right yeah, there. Seriously. That trained me to be a lawyer more than just being in law school, right. to be honest, and just learning how to think about things in life in general. And then also balance, learning how to do all that while still having a family, um, you know, which is no easy task either. Yeah. So just so many things I was absor- observing and absorbing as well um, that I can credit to him. Yeah, that's really cool. Now, at that time, this had to be 2000, just going back. So this was 2003 when you got back to San Antonio? What was it? Was the year that you got back to San Antonio? I got back to San Antonio in 2011. Oh, it's true. That's that's right. 2011. That's right. So you started there right about the time. He was just in Corpus at that time. Just in Corpus, yeah. man. Yeah. And yeah. so so then in 2012 is when, it, was it 12 or 13 when he really started turning on the gas? I think it was 12. It was 12, man, right? Things just, yeah. It exploded. Exploded, yeah. man. Yeah. Exploded. Yeah. And yeah. eventually he opened an office in San Antonio. Yep. So I came up here. Fortune oh, you did? I came up here, man. Wow. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I spent two years in Corpus. Great two years, yeah. but I was ready to come back yeah. home. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So you moved back up here. Now, so... And in, in, when you when it comes to personal injury, right? When it comes to that that uh, that that aspect, what can you like? What advice do you give people? Because people think that you do everything, right? They like well, they they like oh, my friend's an attorney; he can help us, right? <laughs> yes. But what I've come to learn is like my buddy Dean, who's an attorney as well. He ended yeah. up getting his, his law degree that, that that went to Baylor. Right. So Dean, everybody, spe- you get to a point where you have to specialize because you can't do it all, yeah. right? So in the aspect of personal injury, what advice would you give someone that's been in a situation? Let's just say from an attorney's perspective, what advice do you kind of give people like, hey, if something has happened, here's a couple of things that you need to be thinking about doing right away. Sure. So, you know, you mentioned specializing in particular fields. There are lawyers who are general practitioners, if you will. So they'll do a little family a little criminal, a little bankruptcy. They kind of spread it around. My expertise is personal injury, um, civil law, trial law. This is all that I do. Um, and this is all that I know. So, you know, that still incorporates a lot of different things, car accidents, 18-wheeler accidents, workplace injuries, the premise liability injuries, uh, also mass tort, uh, which is a whole nother animal. but uh, a lot of people think, okay, it's just, you know, car accidents. Yeah. And, you know, we hear these things, ambulance chasers, things like that. Uh, I promise you, we're not chasing ambulances. Right, right. Uh, people contact me because they need my services. And what I recommend for people is if you get involved in a car accident or if you get injured in any kind of capacity where it wasn't your fault, someone potentially uh, was negligent, talk to an attorney. Yeah. It's free. The consultation is free. Uh, you want to make sure that your rights are protected. And I'll just use car accidents because it's easy, yeah. simple. We're always driving. And San Antonio has some of the worst drivers I've ever seen. <laughs> so, you know, if you get in a car accident, call a lawyer, ask them, you know, what your options are, especially if you're injured. 
because those insurance companies, and excuse my language, they're going to try to screw you, yeah. man. They just are. And I've seen it so many times, people who have suffered legitimate injuries who can't do certain jobs they used to do or miss out on work and now they can't pay their bills and there's stress and all this because the insurance company took advantage of them. And that's just not right. These insurance companies have armies of lawyers that are on standby, they're on call. When something happens, they're making sure that their rights are protected. Why shouldn't you do the same? And again, the consultation is free. We're experts at this. This is what we do. We make sure you uh, go to the right doctors. You don't pay anything out of pocket for the doctors. We make sure your car gets taken care of because that's a whole different headache in itself, not being able to move around. Uh, we make sure your damages are covered uh, as best as possible, lost wages, uh, medical bills. You don't want to have to be responsible for those. And uh, just make sure you don't have to go through the hassle of getting you know, blown up by these insurance companies. They're calling you, calling you, and you're stressing out. You don't know what to do, what to say. So I recommend consult with an attorney. It's free. Whether or not you hire them, that's up to you. But at least talk to one. Yeah. That's what I tell everyone. You don't have to hire me. Go hire someone else if you're more comfortable with them. But at least talk to someone. We're here to help you. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. <clears throat> that may, excuse me. That makes total sense. Um, I think uh, I, 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 I remember in college I was in a, a bad car accident. And the car flipped over. And I'll never forget um, the insurance company kept calling yeah and they kept calling and kept calling and kept calling and i i didn't tell my mom you know that what the what was going on and right. and i wasn't involved i wasn't the driver uh, uh i was a, a passenger in the vehicle wow. anyways i remember at one point uh i had a really high credit card bill from college <laughs> like really high like i was yeah. i was dad thank you for that credit card i apologize for running it up but i was putting some dents on this credit card yeah and one day they finally called and they're like you know mr martinez we have a check that we're going to send to you so we need to know where to send it and they're like you just you have to sign this document i didn't know i had no clue what i was signing signing that release yeah no clue what i was signing yeah. And one of the guys was ejected out of the vehicle. I, I didn't have oh my, my seatbelt. I wasn't ejected. He, he was, everybody survived. He was fine. Yeah. But the crazy part is they sent this paper and they said, once you sign it, we'll send you the check. I got that check and I paid off my credit card. That's, and that's all I cared about. You know what I mean? Yeah. But what, what I'm hearing now is reminding me is that there were probably some other aspects to that that should have been thought about not just signing that release paper. I guarantee you they underpaid you. They undervalued your claim. You probably could have got two or three times what you did. Wow. I mean, I'm glad you paid off the credit card. I paid off the credit card. <laughs> that most important. Stay out of trouble. Right, but right. Yeah, they probably took advantage of you. They saw a young kid. He's probably eager to get this over with. You know, he hasn't consulted with an attorney. Let's get him while we can. Because once the person talks to an attorney, typically the insurance company backs off because they know they can't exploit that person like they would do, you know, without that. So. Um, so keep, Glad you said yeah, it. Keep yeah. that in mind. So that's a good advice for people to understand is that yes. just you consultating will make some of that start to like they'll kind of leave that the pressure of the insurance company goes away, Absolutely. which is big. Absolutely. Because we're going to tell you, give you some advice on what to say, how to handle some of the situations, whether you have an attorney or not. Yeah. And um, even just mentioning, yeah, I'm consulting with an attorney. They'll back off. That'll get their attention. So. Uh, I would recommend still hiring one, but yes, at least consult with one, weigh your options, especially if you're injured. Yeah. Um, Cause there's so many complexities to that. You know, you might have long-term type injuries. 
things that uh, you might have to pay for in the future. Because once you sign yeah. those documents, you're done. Yep. So you settle the case, you're still in pain, you're going to the doctor, now it's coming out of your pocket. So we're trying to prevent those things from happening. So that's why our expertise uh, is necessary. Yeah. And I, I think about like for, you know, in the situation where people are, they don't think future. They just think in that immediate yes. moment. Right. Yes. And that's where as an attorney, you can kind of walk them through seeing the bigger picture than, hey, this, you know, $1,500 check that's right in front of you. Absolutely. And, and that's what they do. Here's a thousand dollars, five hundred dollars. You can have it right now. We'll direct deposit it. They're coming up with all kinds of things. And that's enticing for yeah. a lot of people because they have life going on. Um, and that's another thing, <clears throat> excuse me, if you hire an attorney, you know, we'll try to also, uh, create opportunities financially to keep you going while we go through the process. Mm. We're not going to leave you hanging. Yeah, You have bills to pay. We get it. We're going to find a way to make sure you're taken care of until your case is resolved. Yeah. So there's a lot of different things that we bring to the table to take stress off of you, to take, you know, that anxiety. Uh, off of your plate so you can focus on your family and, and getting better and healing and get healing, yeah. getting back to work, all that kind of stuff, man. There's so many different factors that can be affected when you're involved in something that's unplanned. Yeah. So uh, I recommend everyone call someone. Yeah. Yeah. It totally sure. makes sense. Okay. Now we got to switch it up. You're married. How long you been married? Been married uh, five, five years. Five years. Okay. Yeah, five years. I got man. a few on you. I got uh -oh. 23 years. Ooh, yeah, I got a few. Wow. Congrats. <laughs> I'm not worried. So, no, no, no. You're good. Hey, listen, you lasted five years. Five years is good, too. You yeah, know? Yeah. So coming up on six. Coming, coming up, up on when's six. The, when's yeah. the anniversary? September. You're going to get me in trouble, yeah, man. Yeah, you better know. <laughs> September 6th. Six. Okay. Yeah. Okay, two kids. Two boy kids. Boy and a girl. Yes, my daughter Naomi is four. Okay. My son, Nathaniel, number four, yes. is uh, turning two in March. He's going to be turning two. Okay, yeah. so... Life, family, balance. You're busy. Like you're, you're, you're I mean, you're, Non-stop. you're running a law firm because this is, this is one piece that I'm reading a book right now with the mastermind group and I've read it before. It's called the E-Myth. Okay. I don't know if you've ever heard of this book, but basically it's like people, they, they, they start, they, they start a business because you went to law school. Did they ever teach you the business side of law at law school? No, nothing. Not at all. Yeah. So you don't touch on like how to actually run a business, Not right? At all. Which is really interesting. You know, yeah, it's unfortunate. Now, I did take business classes at Baylor, so that helped a little bit. But even still, you have to get out there in the field and learn. So, you know, being at Mr. Henry's office, that did kind of teach me a lot about the business side as well. But no, in law school, you don't learn, you don't learn anything. So no. so then you're, you're coming out. You're, you're basically a technician. You're the technician. And you're going to go do law. I'm going to go do law and you're going to work yeah. on cases. That's but right. then you don't actually do the business side of it, right? No. So I, I think about this in terms of life-family balance, what is helping you kind of keep all of the balance and everything in play with two young ones and running a law firm? God. I love it. God. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, physically, mentally, it can be draining, all right? Um. And I signed up for this, all right? I, I decided to open up my own firm. I decided to have offices in different cities because I'm, I'm in Dallas, I'm in Houston, I'm in Austin, and I'm in McAllen down in the, the Valley. So if someone called me right now in any of those cities needed to get signed up, I'd have someone at their house within 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, I'm, I, I've created that kind of web, man. So, um, you know, I can't complain, but God has sustained me. He's given me the strength 
and the mental fortitude to be able to work all day, deal with all of that craziness, <clears throat> come home, flip a switch, and you know I'm playing dolls and having tea time and singing nursery rhymes and watching Coco Melon or whatever yeah. and forgetting about all that. That doesn't exist in the house. Yeah. So being able to to flip that switch, man, uh, it, it took a lot of practice, but God has sustained me. He's brought a lot of people into my life to uh, help support me, guide me, and uh, you know He's shown His favor. So I owe it all to Him. Yeah. And my wife's been great. You know, staying home with the kids. So my wife um, retired from the Navy about three, four years ago. Wow. Yes, yeah, twenty years in the Navy, man. So that actually uh, freed her up, so she can be home with the kids. Yeah. So I know that's a job within itself. Yes. So when I get home, she's like, "Take them. I need a break." Yes. So I've got to suck it up. I got to, you know, have that energy, man, yeah. to just hit the ground running because they want to play. They want to bounce off the walls. So I got to keep up all day. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, yeah, I would say, you know, God's just shown his favor on me, man. And he's given me the strength I need to just keep pushing. I love that, man. Yeah. I love that. I, uh, you know, I'm, 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 we're, we're, I go to CBC and, and, and oh, I love Pastor Ed. Pastor Ed. Ed. That's you my guy, him. man. That's my guy. Okay. Sneakers oh, with the, the suits, man. That's my style. Yes. Shout all out day. To Pastor Ed. So Pastor Ed, uh, they're doing the Holy Spirit right now. Okay. okay? And, and like he is. The last, the last, just I would, I would, the last two services have just been like, whoa, like, yeah, it's moving, like Rock it's moving, moving. Yeah. and it made me think about like, um, you know, I'm reading Exodus, right, and so you know, you're, 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 you're Moses is coming out, they're bringing the Israelites out, that's right, and you know, the pillar of uh, clouds, and I started thinking like, so those those pillar of clouds were like covering them in the sun, from the sun, and then the pillar of fire at night was probably providing some warmth. Yes, in that day. I was thinking, man, and then the idea that now we have the, you know, the the comforter of the Holy Spirit, you know, yes. now. So, I hear you, man. Like I love this. I love that because I I think for, you know, being married 23 years. Yeah. You 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 need you need a lot of God up in, in your <laughs> life. You know what I mean? You need yes, it. Sir. Uh now I only have one. So y'all y'all okay. are playing uh, uh man to man. I'm we're still in zone, you know? Okay, so nice, it's, nice. it's a little easier <laughs> with a 13-year-old. Uh, so is what mentors do you have now? Like who are the mentors that are playing the biggest role in your life now? You know, my dad's a big mentor. So, you know, my dad, uh, he's been there since the beginning, and you know, he was that role model to look up to. Um, as well as my grandfather, who's no longer here, but he was also a, a great man, uh, led a great example. So I would say those are the two main ones that I really learned from and gave me the confidence to just kind of get out there in life and, and figure things out. Um, as far as mentors, you know, uh, my dad has some really close friends, um, you know, believers in Christ that um, kind of saw me grow up. So they're still, they're there whenever I need them. If I want to text them, call them. And it's always nice to have that support there if needed. I don't always take advantage of it, but I know it's there. Um, and just, you know, learning from them throughout the years. So I still have that foundation, but honestly, man, I'm so busy these days. I don't even reach out to people like that. Like I should, I'm just working, coming home, handling business at the house. Uh, but I think I've been prepared for this moment enough. Um, so I don't have to reach out to people that often these days. Uh, but you know, getting in that word when I can, which I need to do more often, but you know, things like that kind of help sustain me. Yeah. I love that yeah. books. 
I know you probably, you, I, I mean, after law school, you probably didn't want to pick up another book for a while, <laughs> I would imagine. I didn't, but yeah. Uh, yeah, we were off and running, man. Yes. I had no choice. So so books now, is there anything that you're reading, like a, a maybe a favorite book that you like to give away to your, you got new attorneys. I know you all have, how many attorneys do you have on, on at, at? I've got Mac five. Five attorneys? Five attorneys. Uh, what books do you recommend for them to read from a business perspective or just a life perspective? Wow. There's so many. Um and I, I want to tell you this, I have like a stack of 20 books, maybe 10 in my office, 10 at home yeah. that I had planned on reading going back like two years yeah. that I haven't even touched yet. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? All right, let's try audio books. Yes. So I'm on the road. Let me, you know, put those on. And that has gotten me uh, a little further than the actual hard copy books. Yeah. But uh, I'm all about reading, man. I yeah. think it's super important. I'm not sure what's on my audio book right now. Yeah, uh, pull it up. Few. Grab your phone. Pull it up. I want to hear. Yeah. I don't hear. But, you know, always learning, always evolving. We never stop learning in life, man. Right. Um, always trying to get more knowledge. There's so much changing around us. So just trying to, uh, to keep up, if you yeah. will, yeah. is a lot. <clears throat> All right. So there's one called uh crush it or excuse me crushing it crushing it yeah so, gary v yeah gary yeah. v how uh, great entrepreneurs build their business and influence and how you can too that's so micro content right there there you go man yeah. um i've got that one uh let's see here seller be sold Grant oh cardone. Grant cardone that's a classic uh, that's a good one yeah um here relentless by tim grover yeah um got a book here the four about yeah. uh amazon apple facebook google okay. one, one up on wall street that's a classic i've read that a few different times by Ooh, peter i haven't lynch. heard of that one by one peter up lynch. on one up on wall street so if you're into investing yeah or anything uh this is a book going back to the 80s or 90s but peter lynch okay uh he's been in the business oh yeah for for decades man and he built you know a huge hedge fund in wall street uh but a lot of wisdom a lot yeah. of knowledge in that book uh tribes Oh man, Seth, Seth Godin. Yeah, now you, know, you know the story behind that book, right? It's been a while since I've dived when, into when it. When that book came out, he gave it away. I didn't know that. Like it was, I either it was like ninety nine cents or something ridiculous. Like what? he he was like he did this really weird marketing plan with that book. If you go oh. back and look at it, and I got that book, and it was like. Oh man, this is that, and it's wow. still a great read. It is. It's been a while, man, but I haven't finished it. I need to go back because sometimes I'll start and I'm on a trip, and yeah. then when I get back, I, I move on and forget about it. But yeah. um, just learning how to be a leader, working with other people, is so so important, man. Because there's a psychology behind it, and I know that's what yeah. you touched on. So I, I got to dive back into that. Yeah. And then lastly, here I've got so many, but twelve rules for life, Jordan Peterson. <laughs> so. You know, I'm always trying to. I don't really read a lot of um, fiction. Yeah, me I'm neither. a nonfiction guy. Something yeah. I that's applicable to my life that I can yeah. use, that I can share, that makes me a better person, father, husband, Christian, businessman, whatever. Yeah, I'm all about that. Uh, um, well, and I'm I love right history, and I love history, so I love reading about okay. what's happening in the past. I'm gonna I'm just I'm gonna give you a recommendation that okay. is as has. Uh, I mean, I've pulled and talked about this book so much. It's called Grant Ulysses S. Grant. Mm. okay it, it, if you go like i saw it the other day at half price bookstore the one right over here in stone oak yeah. uh, on evans okay it's like this big 
It's a 48-hour audible. Oh, my goodness. It was one of the most fascinating books on the history of his life. I'm going to plug that. No, seriously. That book, uh, I've, I've even got my wife listening to it. I don't know how that's going. We'll have to, I'll have to ask her because <laughs> it's, it's deep. It's deep into his life. But mm. going through his life all the way past when he was president and then to his death, it is fascinating uh, story. And I, I, I absolutely love that book. Now, I love it, man. And, I'm going to look into that book. By the way, look into that I'm book. You're, you'll that. love it. I love the history of it. Now, absolutely. Advice for, you know, somebody that's out there that is, um, let, let, you know, let's let's take somebody that's thought about law school. Yeah. Advice is for somebody that's thought about maybe they're in college and they're in the they're they're in that position of like yeah. I want maybe I should be a lawyer. Maybe I shouldn't. Be. What would be your first piece of advice to anybody that is that is maybe thinking about that journey? Talk to a lawyer. Find a lawyer. Talk to him or her, go by their office, pick their brain, ask as many questions as you can, try to develop a relationship with one of them, try to have one of them mentor you to some degree, and they will give you a lot of knowledge and information to help in your decision. Mm. That's going to be better than reading a book, going on Google, YouTube, whatever. Talk to a lawyer, let them personally tell you what you're going to experience and how it is from their point of view. Yeah. Talk to a few lawyers if you can. I love that advice. Yeah. Now we got to give a shout out to mama, right? right. To your mom, because yes, this, this dream where you're at right now, <laughs> you know, on the TM3 podcast yes. as a personal injury attorney, yes. right? Is because mom was a paralegal. I've come a long way. Shout out to mom. Hey mom, yes. I love you. What, what camera? Is it this yeah, camera? this is right here, right here. I love you, yeah. mom. Shout out to mama. Yeah, she, uh, I mean, she gave me the style that I have, a lot of the swag that I have. And for mom, so that's really cool. all the way from East Terrace Projects on the east side of San Antonio, having me sitting here in front of you. We've come a long way, man. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. I yeah. gave a shout out to my my mom is TSA. So whenever you fly uh, yeah. out, if you see somebody with short blonde hair named Renee, yeah. that's my mom. If you what? say you know me, you're gonna get a TSA hug. I'm just oh, letting you know, man. Do I have to take my <laughs> shoes off? No, no okay. <laughs> but if you see Mama, you're gonna know she that's works awesome. at TSA. She's a TSA agent. Uh, but my story with her is 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 I'm sitting with ITT Technical School in my in my house, yeah. and my mom is sitting with her arms crossed the whole time just staring at me and looking at this guy and the guy gets up and he's like well you know are you ready to sign the paperwork and my mom says my son's going to college wow. and I looked up and I was like am I like I <laughs> that was I was my senior year like yeah. I had no clue what I was doing really? I mean like zero clue school college because Duke in, in Texas didn't call for basketball <laughs> I thought my chances for college were over oh, you wow. know what I mean in my mind yeah, you know yeah. uh, so there was no idea but that planning of my mom going yes. no my son is going to go to college is why I'm here. Wow. You know, so mamas are important. Dude, you mamas know? are so important. They're so important. Uh, what will we do without them? Yeah, so uh, before we uh, uh, wrap up, tell us, tell everybody how they can contact your firm, uh, how they can stay connected with you. Absolutely. If you ever need to reach me, you can call 210-333-MAC. That's 210-333-6225. Uh, you can also email me at info at mactexaslaw.com. Uh, you can go to my IG, Mac Texas Law. Go to my website, www.333mac.com. And uh, that's how you can reach out to me. So uh, if you or a loved one have been injured in any kind of accident, you have questions, concerns, call me. It's free. More than happy to speak with you and uh, see if we can help. 
And I would like to say one thing that separates my firm from a lot of them. If you call one of the guys on the billboards or on TV, you're not going to speak to them. I'm just going to be honest with you. You're not going to speak to them. They're not going to know who you are. If you call my firm, I will speak to you. Not always at the very beginning, but I will make myself available to speak to you, to come in and meet with you. I will know you by your name. I'll learn about your case, your family. And I think that's really important. That's the kind of service people want. They don't want to be another file on a desk or another number on a computer. They want you to treat them like family. And that's what we do at my firm. So, um, you know, if you've been put in that situation, please reach out to me. We're more than happy to help. Love it. Nathaniel Mack, thank you for being on the TM3 Impact, man. It's great to meet you and great to hang out. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Take care. Yes, sir.